But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and to go out before us and to fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that the people had said, he repeated it before the Lord. The Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. Today I want to speak from the subject, and I know we are accelerating because we have things to do today, but I want to speak from the subject, crown him. Crown him. Crown him. It is essential for all of us to understand that before anything was, God is. I'll say that again. Before anything was, God is. The word God denotes self-existing and self-sufficiency, meaning that God did not need anything or anyone in order to exist. Before anything was and before anything will be, God is. God is not actually a name, but it's rather a description of character. Whoever God is, and whatever God is, or however you see God, the name God is not his name. It's simply an expression of his character. So to say God is God is really saying that whoever this God is, he is Lord of all. Before anything was, God is. And on top of that, he and he alone qualifies for the title. Not you, not me, not anything that you own or have has earned the right to be called God. For something to be God, it means it has complete autonomy, full say over every single thing. So here's what this means to you and I. If there is something going on in your life that you cannot control, that you cannot figure out, that you can't make sense of, it's because you are not God. And if anything is going to change in your life, be clear about this one thing. If anything is going to change in your life, it is going to require God. Before anything was, God is. Settle in your mind that he is God over your finances. He's God over your family. He's God over your schools. He's God over your jobs. He's God over your car. He's God over your relationships. He is God. God all by himself. Nothing and no one else has earned the right to be called God. He is God. And before anything was, he, God, is. Self-sufficient, self-existing, needing nothing, and definitely not needing you or me. When God created the natural world, that is the earth, and all that we see here today, he actually had already created a realm that we cannot see, which we call the supernatural world. So before you see all of this stuff 
that God has created. The trees and the, the, the everything, the seas and the oceans and the mountains. God, the natural world, God had already created the supernatural world. A place that we cannot see with our naked eyes. This act of creation made him God, not only over what is seen, but also what is unseen. And he and he alone is God. As governor of the natural and the supernatural realm, God is king. And he made it a domain, the domain of the supernatural and the domain of the natural. And as governor over all of it, he is king. And he's king over one domain, and he's king over all domains. That's where we get the term kingdom from. King of the domain. God is king, and we are in his kingdom. Now, because God is love, God is love. I didn't say God has love. Because God is love, there is a natural characteristic that everyone who has love must express. If you have love, you cannot help but offer this characteristic. And that is the characteristic to share. When you have love in your heart, the only thing that you know how to do is to share. If you have stopped sharing, it's because you are now devoid of love. And since God himself is love, he can't help but to share. So God, who is Lord of all things, has these domains, both the natural and the supernatural. He's the king of all that is seen. And because he is love, God wants to share. He's a benevolent God. He's a giving God. He's a loving God. And God wants to share. And so he says, I want to share in this kingdom of mine. I, I am full of so much love that I want to give a little bit of this to something, to someone. So God created the earth, which was an extension of his kingdom. And he wanted to share his rulership. And so when he created man in the, second, in the first chapter of Genesis, he says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. This is what God said. And the Bible goes on to say, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God is love and God wanted to share. So he created man to share his kingdom. But I like to read the Bible and I always look for what, not just what is said, but also what is not said. Notice. God gave man dominion rule over the fish in the sea. He gave man dominion rule over the birds in the sky. He gave man dominion rule over the livestock and all the wild animals. God even went so far as to say he gave dominion over all the creatures that move on the ground, the bugs. 
He gave man dominion over bugs. Where did it say God gave man rule over each other? Nowhere. Nowhere in the Bible will you find human beings given the mandate, the responsibility, or even the charge to have dominion over their own kind. I've searched the Bible and I've not found that text yet. Instead, we were to have dominion over the resources of the world, but not over each other. So at the most basic level, God in his sovereignty, in his divinity, in his divine rulership over everything that we see and unseen has given us a measure of authority over the resources of this world, but he did not give us governance over each other. And I find that curious. This means that none of us in here has the right nor the authority to tell another person how to live their life, how to care for their affairs, how to be or not be. No one here is anyone else's judge. Now, children, you come under the authority of your parents until you have been dismissed. And until such time, you listen you listen, not to be, and parents, it's not a responsibility that you get to just lord it over your children and bring undue pressure upon them either. God has given you a, me a measure of wisdom and authority to exercise fair judgment over what he has given you stewardship for the time that he has established it. And until such time, you will give an account for how you handled it. But at the same time, let us not lose the point. God did not give us, any one of us, the right to rule over any other person. But we need to understand this word, dominion. According to the late Dr. Miles Monroe, he stated, listen carefully, to be given dominion means to be established as a sovereign kingly ruler, master, governor, responsible for reigning over a designated territory with the inherent authority to represent, hear me clearly, to represent and to embody as a symbol the territory, resources, and all that constitutes that kingdom. Mankind is intended to be God's embodiment and his representative over the territories that he has given you charge. So in other words, every person here actually has to be given a measure of responsibility that comes from God. And over that responsibility, if it is a God-given responsibility, it means that God has given you the right to rule and have dominion over that, not another's. So you buy your house at the corner of Jackson and Franklin, or let's make it down the street. You have your church at the corner of Jackson and Franklin. God made you pastor over this great church, and you think it's your business to tell the person at his church how he ought to run his affairs. Since when did God did tell you to do that? Take care of your house. Your own house. 
before you start to worry about the house of someone else. Be very, very careful how you start to look at the speck in someone else's eye without recognizing the beam that is in your very own. God has given you a measure of responsibility that is yours. Manage your affairs. I like that. Mind your business. That's it. But because God in his sovereignty and his rulership and his divine kingdom has given each of us a measure of responsibility, it simply means that you and I are kings and queens in our own rights. Oh yes, you are a king. You are a queen. You have authority that has been given to you by the only sovereign that could give you that authority from God and God alone. You may not believe it. You may walk with your head down all the time thinking that you're nothing. But what I'm trying to tell you is that Jesus didn't die on the cross for a bunch of nothings. You mean something to God. You matter to God in some way. Something about you is the apple of God's eye. Something about you makes God go, yes, whenever you walk in your authority. Something about you makes God feel good on a Sunday morning when he sees you doing right by him. Something about you makes God smile. I don't know what it is, but something about you and it's not for me to determine what that something is. I'm only confirming to you that as God has given it to me, so give I to you. You matter to God. You matter to God. Whether you matter to me or not, you matter to God. Now, now to understand this whole kingdom thing, and we're going to get wrapped up soon, but I want to make sure you're tracking with me. To, to, you must understand in every kingdom, there is a huge difference, huge difference between the subject of a kingdom and the son or daughter of the kingdom. There is a difference between the two. You've got the subjects of the kingdom, but you've got the sons and the daughters of the kingdom. Let me give you an example. We just witnessed the, um, the wedding of Prince Harry and, what's her name, Meghan Merkle? Meghan Markle, Markle, Merkle, Meghan. We, we just witnessed the marriage of Prince Harry, that's an easy name, Prince Harry and Meghan. And it was a wonderful celebration of pageantry and beauty and royalty and yada yada yin yang. It had all of that. But, but, but the news media, with later reports, reported that after the wedding, after the wedding, queen, the queen, the queen mother, she gave them a gift, the married couple. She gave them this house. Now, now, that house is called York Estate. That was their wedding gift. And, and when I did a little bit of research, it says this is about a 20,000 acre property that has been under British ownership since 1862. You can only imagine the value of the stuff that's in that room, in that house. I mean, that is, listen, if y'all want to give me a wedding gift, that would be a nice one. I won't be mad at you. But, 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 but the reason why I'm bringing this to your attention 
is because I want you to see this was a gift. They didn't earn it. They didn't do anything special to get it. It was a gift. A free gift. Now, now, he is a son of the kingdom. And this is, he's entitled to the gift of the kingdom. All the resources of the monarchy of England came to bear on his wedding. There was no expenses spared. Their napkins is a mortgage payment. No, listen, no, listen, no expenses were spared because the son of the kingdom was making his intentions known for this fair maiden. <laughs> so I thought to myself as I was preparing this sermon, I thought about this Xavier and I thought to myself, there's a difference between a son of the kingdom and a subject of the kingdom. You see, you got these people, they call them beef eaters. They're soldiers, and their job is to protect the kingdom. Now this guy right here, see him? That's Jerome. Jerome Jones. Jerome Jones is getting married next week. But nobody knows Jerome Jones. They're not going to fly in any bishop to come speak at Jerome Jones's wedding. They're not going to give Jerome Jones a wonderful wedding gift because Jerome is nothing more than a subject in the kingdom. But he's a man nonetheless. Created in the image of God. He puts his pants on the same way that... Prince Harry puts on his pants. Now his toilet may not be gold lined. But I guarantee you that the deposit is still waste. But there's a difference between a son or a daughter of the kingdom and a subject of the kingdom. So here's what God says in 1 Peter, the second chapter and the ninth verse. You, meaning you and me are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, God's special possession, a holy nation, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Not my words. Now I began this message by saying what? Before anything was, before York Castle, before the beef eaters and before the Megans and before the Prince Harrys and before the chariots and before the Statue of Liberty, before anything was, God is. And when God says, you are my chosen people, in you I take delight, in you I find my beloved, you are just not anybody. Because the same words that spoke the unseen and the seen into existence is the same words that says I love you. So as children of God, sinners saved by grace through faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we should never sell ourselves short. Yeah. 
Instead, we should embrace our identities as beings created in the image of God, boldly claiming our rights as citizens of a heavenly kingdom ruling over earth. We shouldn't conduct ourselves as vagabonds, hirelings who have no inheritance, but as wise children, careful and confident in the knowledge of who we are, patiently waiting for the time when our Father deems it appropriate to give us the good things he has laid up for every single one of us. You see, I hold on to the scriptures. And when I hear scriptures like, chill, well, that's not really scripture. It's my interpretation. But I hear God saying, relax. Don't stress yourselves out. You're working a little too hard. You don't need to work that hard. I got this. Listen, cast all your cares upon me. Right? I care for you in a way that you can't even imagine, but I need you to believe me. And oh, by the way, check this out. This is Jesus talking to y'all right now. Check this out. You see, in my father's house, there are many mansions. Your castle got nothing on what's in my father's house. And, and, and if it were not so, I would have told you. But, 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 but just in case you're wondering, I go to prepare a place. And, and, and if I go to, to prepare that place, I will come again. And, and, and to receive you unto myself. That where I am, you will be also. You see, you see, many people don't really know who they are. Many people are not quite sure what they got. But I tell you, even today, as we took liberties, I took liberty from this pulpit, and I had the whole church, the church, sing happy birthday to my daughter. I'm her father. I'm her father. And because I'm her father, I only give good things to my children. You are God's children. In the kingdom of God, there are no subjects. Everyone is a son. And everyone is a daughter. And if you have confessed faith, in Jesus the Christ, you come under the protection of the Almighty God. And while the demons may come and they may tickle the heel of your foot, while they may come and be like gnats on your ear, the truth is they can only tickle your feet. They can only annoy your ear. But when you know you're a son of the king, you have the authority and the power. For God says, Jesus says, I sit at the right hand of God the Father. All authority and power has been given to me. And I give that to you. So all you need to do, my brothers and my sisters, my fellow heirs of his majesty, is simply say, peace be gone. Peace 
Be still. Know the power that you carry. Know the authority that you have. Know who your father is. Because God is not a man that he should lie. So as I, as I prepare to wrap this up, I have to go back to the text. The text says the people cried out to Samuel. And they said, Samuel, give us a king. You see, they were asking for a king to be just like the nations around them. But they were a holy nation, a called out people. They were not to look like everybody else. But they want to look like everybody else. And with their ungrateful self, these people, they knew a battle was coming. But, but they didn't know that God would fight their battles. So these ungrateful people, they, they, they lived in the United States of Israel. And they were complaining because the unemployment rate was only 5% when it had actually come down from 10%. But they said, give us a king. They didn't like the new health care plan in Israel because they didn't like who it was named after. They didn't care that 30 million people were now going to have health insurance that never had it before. And you need to be where I am in a hospital where you see a mother coming in with a child that was saying, thank God for Israel care. Simply because without it, her child with leukemia has no hope and no chance. But they want a king. These people in the United States of Israel, they were fed up that the economic recovery was taking too long, not realizing the ditch that they were digging out of. They, they, these people in the United States of Israel, Robbie, they, 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 they didn't like those refugees crossing the border into their country. They, 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 they also complained that the camel bailout was not even necessary even though it was started by the previous administration. But they wanted a king. They cried for a king. They wanted a king that was a skilled negotiator, self-proclaimed. They wanted a king who would be strong with the military and would fight wars that they are intentionally wanting to start. They want a king that felt like they could shoot anyone on Fifth Avenue and get away with it. They wanted a king who was a self-proclaimed businessman even though he had been bankrupt five times. They wanted a king who wanted to make Israel great again. But in this quest for this king, God said the following to Samuel. Hear me clearly, church. The Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you that they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Now I'm not going to go through all of this and I don't want to overdo it, but there's a lot of things here that the king is going to do. You see, the king is doing a lot of stuff like I don't want to overdo it, but 
he's going to turn his back on all the allies who was helping them, the king. He's colluding with enemy nations, this king. This king is an egomaniac who can't handle anyone else getting credit but him. Now, I know that all of you here are thinking that I'm talking about Donald Trump. But if you read your Bible carefully, you will see that all that I have just described matches exactly King Saul. When the people asked for a king, they got King Saul. If you all remember when David had committed, had, had, had won in battle, coming through the town, all the people were shouting, Saul had killed his thousands, David ten thousands. And it grieved the heart of Saul to the point where Saul couldn't stand the fact that it was David who found and killed Osama bin Laden. Read between the lines. The people wanted a king. So be very careful what you ask for. For you really just might get it. My brothers and sisters, there is nothing new under the sun. We've seen this movie before. Read your Bible and you will see that what has happened before will happen again. Why? Because before anything was, God is. He is the God of the seen and the unseen. He knows the end from the beginning. He is the first and the last. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is God all by himself. And he's looking for a people. A certain people that are willing to hear and understand the truth. God knew that we would be too blind to see his king and his gift. God knew that since the people were asking for a commoner to be their king, then he decided to grant their wish. I close this message this way. Because I always like you to see more in the Bible, right, Janelle, than what you might read on your own. The people were bawling for a king. We want one so we can be among the nations. We don't want Prince Harry. We want someone else. We want a commoner to rule over us. Can you just imagine that for a moment? You decide you don't want the king, Prince Harry, to rule over you. You want one of those soldiers instead to rule over you. Now, it sounds ridiculous, but I want you to see how God uses the foolish things of this world to always confound the wise. You see, the people wanted a king who was a commoner. So, 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 so God sent a humble servant who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself a subject. Someone of no reputation. You see, this would be a king of God's own choosing. A king who would love God's word and meditate on it day and night. A king who would lay aside his glory veil his glory, and be born in a stable in Bethlehem. You see, it would be said of this king that birds have their nests. Foxes have their holes. But the son of man, this king, 
has nowhere, Andrea, to lay his head. This king, would, he, would, he would lay down his life on behalf of sinners like you and me. And, 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 and he, would, he would bear our sins in his own body upon Calvary's tree. This king would, would die the accursed death of a covenant breaker and would leave his word, his world, with no possessions whatsoever. This king would be stripped of all of his garments and be hoisted from the ground and embarrassed. This king would come from among the people, a commoner. And the Lord says, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. Israel rejected God as their king. The Jews rejected Jesus as Messiah. But since he died and rose again from the grave and sits at the right hand of God the Father and with all his power and authority, he bids us to only believe the question that I have for you this morning is simply this. What will you choose to do? Will you reject him again? Will you choose him or will you simply look for another? I titled this message, Crown Him for a Reason. For a reason. Here it is. It's one thing to look at the people of Israel and to say to them and say, I can't believe they rejected Jesus. I can't believe they had the opportunity to glorify God come in the flesh. And they rejected him. How dare they? Well, my question to you today is simple. He's here today. And the question really is, what are you going to choose to do? You have the opportunity to crown him, to make him king in your home and in your life. Because if he is who God says that he is, then I want all the resources of God's kingdom working on my behalf. I want all of what the kingdom has in store for me operating on my behalf. I want my own King Jesus in my house for myself. You could do whatever you want. You could be Lord over anything that God has given to you, but I want him to be Lord of all of the things that he has given to me. So I ask the question, will you crown him king? Or will you continue to crown everything else in your life king? Because you're going to get a king. One way or another, you're going to get a king. You already got one on 1600 Israel Avenue. <laughs> and I know y'all got, some of y'all voted for him and you got remorse. But you were all there crying out, give us a king. Give us a king. Well, Go crown him. The truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, Jesus is the only king worthy of your worship and worthy of your praise. And he's not asking you for anything other than to let him come into your heart. 